I signed that lease and we moved in and we were not only just fine, we grew so quickly that we outgrew that lease. And then so then I had to sign another one. And then we outgrew that one. And had, so it was the first step in a lot of uh, you know really important things to, that were necessary to make the company grow. But it was a terrifying one. Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. And we are live as opposed to dead here on Shut Up Show today. We are honored and blessed to have Ian Ippolito on the show. Ian, where are you today and how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Bernie. It's great to be here. I'm in Tampa, Florida. Oh, man. We are in Wisconsin. Wait, we, Phil. Oh. Wait, Phil. Remember our last episode? <laughs> and we're just going to say that we're very glad that you're in Tampa, Florida today because we have told it, folks, that we are not going to complain about the weather here in Wisconsin anymore. We're only going to do something about it. So, And uh, Bernie will be walking her dog. So it's all good. Very positive. I love that. By the way, I'm actually... I, I went to school in Wisconsin. I went to Marquette for a couple of years. I so, saw that. Yeah. Awesome. So you know the winters here then. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> All too well. <laughs> cool. Well, I am uh, literally two miles from Marquette campus. Oh. And awesome. Bernie is about 96 miles away. Oh, okay. In Madison. In Madison. In Madison. Ah. Yep. And all together through the power of the internet. Love it. That's yeah. it, yeah. So that's really cool. So we're so glad you're here today, Ian. And before I tell you how glad we are and start asking you questions, our chief stocking officer, Miss Bernie Shung, is going to tell you all about you and things that you never knew were really on the internet. Wow, Bernie, I'm a scared. You should be. Yeah, that's funny. Our last guest just said, we just published our last guest's episode, and he's like, where did you get that picture from? He's like, I don't remember that picture. <laughs> so what Phil said is true, Ian. There's stuff I'm going to tell about you that you have no idea even happened. So anyway, be careful. I'm just kidding. No, but, but, but uh, I'm, I'm usually responsible for bringing on the people that we, we want to feature as a guest here. And Ian, um, I stumbled upon you across my network. I don't really remember exactly how, but when I read your story, I was like, holy crap, this guy is going through so much change right now. And as I read your bio, it, I saw a lot of instances where you had massive change happen, massive change happen, a lot of success, a lot of failures. And Phil and I are always looking for people to bring on the show who, who can tell us not only about, well, how do you reach success, but how the heck did you break through all the fear when you failed so many times but still came out on the other side to reach the level of success you have and then failed again and then <laughs> succeeded again. So with that, our warm welcome to you is we're just so excited to have you here because we just really want to hear the, the real, raw, honest truth about what it means to be an entrepreneur and even greater, what led you to the work that you do today. So if you could somehow you know, start the conversation by building the foundation of, of what you were doing uh, prior to all of this. Sure, sure, Bernie. Well, yeah, there was definitely a lot of, of failures and having to get it back up again. Um, 
it's a lot like that Chinese uh, proverb where it talks about, you know, you fall down seven times and get back up eight. And uh, it was just a matter of always getting back up again. Um, I mean, I, I could go back to, I mean, I could go back to basically, you know, I, I think you kind of ran into me when I had just sold a V-Worker, which was... That is right. That is yeah. right. That is uh, right. So that was, that, was, that was a really high point. But to get there, um, I mean, I started off my, I wanted to work for myself from a, a very young age. And I, 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 got, I left college and I went to work for myself or, you know, I went to work for someone else. And I was always kind of looking on the side for something. But my first, I guess, failure was basically that first attempt, which is like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go out and do it. And I went and I tried to create a, uh, it was basically, I thought, well, I was going to create a software company. So I went out and created a, a piece of software, and nobody bought it. Not one. I mean, and I spent months, you know, creating this and thinking that it was just going to be this whole wonderful thing. But, uh, you know, I, I learned some really, really great lessons from it because I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't do any market research to find out, is this product useful? Do people actually want to buy it? Um, you know, I didn't talk to any customers. I just built what I thought was just the coolest thing, and, and no one agreed with me. So it taught me a lot of good lessons. I think that was probably like one of my first big lessons of just like how important it is to kind of get out of my own brain and get out into the real world because a lot of times there's disconnects there and uh, it's necessary to bridge those in order to be successful. So that was like kind of like one of the first ones. How did you not sell any software? I mean, that's a feat, dude. How did you do that, Ian? Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Well, it requires a, you have to work really, really hard to get a really bad product, and so that's basically what I did. So it was um, it it was called the Power Launcher, and it, my idea was like, wow, it would be this thing that would sit on the desktop and it could manage all your programs and launch them easily and just make it easy to kind of manage your desktop. And the problem was nobody really wanted it, so that that that's kind of what happened there. That is so freaking awesome. So that, so, I, and I say that because that's, that's pretty much ultimate failure when I think yeah. about it, right? I mean, zero, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty tiny number. And I, I say that knowing that now you've seen some, some success. So weren't you afraid that the next thing you tried was going to do zero too or what? Yeah, I mean, I was because it was, you know, I had invested a lot of time, got into a situation where I had spent a lot of time and effort trying to get this thing done and a lot of mental energy hoping that it would get done and it didn't and so I had to take like a month off and uh, after that initial sting of getting over the personal pride being wounded and kind of just just feeling you know all hurt and everything I realized well you know it wasn't all just like a failure because I actually did a bunch of things that were kind of dumb and I did them wrong and I could change those and I thought what what happened if I if I changed those I think the outcome would have been a lot different so then I tried again and uh, it made a huge difference. So my, my second thing that I tried was I, I created another piece of software basically called HelpMaker Plus. And this piece of software was one that was, uh, it, it, at the time it was difficult to create help files, which like the help files on computers. And so what this software did was made it easy for people to do that. And, um, so, and what I did was I researched the market. I saw that there was no product in there. You know, I did a whole bunch of things that I hadn't done before. And sure enough, it worked. Um, whereas the first one, I had zero traction. I had nobody, you know, buying it. Um, this was the exact opposite story. I had people coming to me to try to buy it. You know, I didn't have to try to convince other people to buy it. You know, the first couple, I had to work at it, but then word of mouth spread. And pretty soon, 
it was a great model. It's shareware. So basically, it means you're just basically, you know, you, you, you create the software once and then you sell it, but you really don't have to do any work. So, um, people were just sending me checks. They were, I was getting, you know, it started off slow, you know, maybe get like a check or two a week. And then it started getting more and more. Pretty soon I was getting like six or seven checks every single day. These checks were just coming in and people just registering the software and buying it, like I said, with no additional work. So it was a pretty awesome thing. Um, but even, even I, in, oh, go ahead. I have a quick question because, because you said something before that I found was really interesting. You said after the first failure, you then decided to go do some market research. You decided to figure out who you were selling to and then you created a new product. Basically, you found another problem to solve and you were actually solving at this time. But where, where did you learn this, Ian? I mean, obviously you learned a lot of things from the first failure, but um, this tenacity, right, or the ability to go and do it differently this time. Was somebody mentoring you through this process or was this kind of like a, you know what, I'm not going to do what I did last time? Can you kind of take, take us through the mindset and how you were able to, to change it around this time around? It would have been great if there was a mentor. No, unfortunately I didn't. So um, it, was, it was a mindset thing. Um, I think ultimately it was just because I wanted it really bad. And uh, I, I think I briefly got into it. Like I, I'd always worked for other people, but it was a constant source of frustration that I would never get a chance to kind of do my own thing. Like I worked for these really big companies and, you know, I would come up with these ideas. I'd be like, we could change things and we could do this and we could do that. And uh, they would be like, oh, thanks. That's a great report. You know, we'd follow it away. Maybe we'll think about it in the next meeting. Nothing would ever get done. It was so frustrating. So there was a constant frustration and dissatisfaction with my current situation that was pushing me. So um, even though I had failed, that didn't disappear. So uh, I still was just not happy with, and, with the way things were and, and wanted to find some way. So I was like, you know what? I, I've got to give this another try. I think I made a bunch of mistakes. I think I can do a lot better. And that's what kind of gave me the impetus to kind of pick myself up and try again. Right. I love it. It always reminds me of the quote that I've said here before on the show, but I'll say it again today. Bill Cosby said that, um, um, and I always mess it up every time too, but he said that in order to succeed, you have to, you know, you have to have a, de the, the, the desire to succeed must be greater than the fear of failure. That's how he said it. That's how he said it. And so that just rings so loud and, and clear in, in the story that you're telling. It's, it's, you're kind of like, you know what? I might fail again. But man, if I don't get this done, if I don't do this, if I don't at least try, I'll regret it. Would, yes. would you say that was a huge piece of it? Oh, yes, yes. And I was feeling the daily frustration of where I was, too. So that was a great reminder of, you know what, i got to find some way to make this work. That's amazing. Um, I don't know if this was part of the, the story, because I did read about how you had started a company from your bedroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could, could you take us through that a little bit? I find that really interesting. So I guess that was not that, well, I mean, really, uh, the Helpmaker Plus was from my bedroom, but it didn't have the huge success, so it didn't, maybe not as interesting a story. The starting from my bedroom was not Helpmaker. So Helpmaker, I created that, and it did well for a while, but then it too actually had problems. Um, what happened was Microsoft created a product that basically did everything that it did, so it wiped out its market overnight instantly. So I had to create another, you know, product. So I created another one called Planet Source Code and um, I get, without getting too much in the details of that, that was the one I created before I created VWorker. So VWorker was the one I created from, you know, it was just an extra bedroom in my house and, uh, you know, you make do with what you have and that, that's what I had. I had an extra room in my house. I had some computers set up in there 
and uh, I created this concept of a website where people could go out and they could hire other programmers. This was like around 2001, so uh, you know the idea of doing that was not like everyone knows you can do that now over the internet, but there was no idea of doing that back then. So you know, so this was the idea back then. And so I came up with this idea. I just I coded it. I actually coded it like on my laptop while I was on a plane trip, and then I, I brought it home and I kind of set it up and put it up on some servers, and it did well. And I, I basically it, I went. And I was like, well, I guess I need to hire another person. And and I have Zoe who has been with me through all of my companies, almost all of them, pretty much all of them. And uh, so I said, okay, I need to bring her in on this. So I brought her in, and she started handling the financial stuff. And then and so she, I was sitting at one desk in my room, and she was sitting at another one. And it continued to grow, and it was starting to do better. And so I was like, okay, well, um, these customers are starting to drive me a little bit crazy. There's, there's so many of them. So then I had to hire another person. So at that point, we were three people sitting in a tiny little bedroom, um, and we were kind of driving each other crazy because you just are, it's like if, like if I was on the phone, maybe someone else was trying to talk to someone else, and someone else was trying to do emails, and it just was, it was really bad. So what we, um, so, so that was basically how it started, and uh, I realized, okay, we need to do something about this. We, ha we have to move into something bigger. So, I mean, I could go into that story if you want me to. That was kind of a, a scary situation, too, because it involved signing a five-year lease. Yeah, definitely. Take us through that, Ian. That, that, keep going. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so here it was. I had experienced, you know, moderate success with this VWorker company. Actually, back then it was called Rent-A-Coder because it was just for programmers. And some moderate success, enough to make a little bit of money, but certainly not enough to, like, you know, to totally support myself and feel independently comfortable, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it was always in doubt. Um, but I was running out of space, and I couldn't continue the way I was. So I went and I looked and said, well, okay, we need to go get an office. What's the smallest possible office space I could get? Well, here I was. I was like a brand new entrepreneur. I have no record of creating companies or anything like that before. So everyone said, Ian, you're going to have to sign a lease. It's going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to personally guarantee it. And the minimum we can do is five years. So if you're, and if your company fails, you're still on the hook for that payment in five years. And I was like, whoa, that's a really scary thing. Um, again, I think it was a situation where I knew it w I didn't have a choice because it scared me to death to think about that payment having to do it and and not knowing if it was going to work or not. But I did see that the site was growing. I could see that there was there was an upward trajectory. So I thought that it would probably be okay. I still didn't know for sure, but I it, it was like a calculated risk. I was like, well, I I think it, it can continue. So in the end, I kind of just swallowed hard and just went, you know what? I'm just gonna have to I'm just gonna have to do it and. Um, What's funny is, I, so I signed that lease, and it was not the first lease that I signed because I signed that lease, and we moved in, and we were not only just fine, we grew so quickly that we outgrew that lease, and then so then I had to sign another one, and then we outgrew that one, and you know, then, and then so on. So it was the first step in a lot of uh, you know really important things to that were necessary to make the company grow, but it was a terrifying one. Right. I mean, so obviously that was a huge defining moment in your life, right? The growing pains, you know, at first we were, we were afraid of what if we suck and we never get it going, right? Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden you move into, holy crap, now we're going. It's real. It's legit. I've got to keep showing up every day and doing this. So now let's fast forward to what, 12 years later, Ian, just in case anybody's missed the news, please tell us what has happened now with that business. 
Oh, well, thanks. Um, well, basically what happened is, um, let's say, yes, we ran it for 12 years, and then uh, we were purchased recently. So it was, uh, it was, it was several months ago. Um, I was in contact with the owner of one of the competing websites called Freelancer, which is a, a company out of Australia, and they were trying to get into the U.S. market. And over a period of several months, we talked back and forth with each other, and, um, you know, I, I actually at first... I was not. I was thinking, wow, he's a competitor. I don't know if I really trust that this is a serious offer. Maybe he just wants to look at my books. So uh, I didn't really trust that it was that anything real was going to happen there. And uh, what happened? Oh well, what happened was Freelancer ended up buying the number five site in the space, Scriptlance. And um, right before it went public, Matt Barry from Freelancer he contacted me and goes, "Hey, here's something I want to share with you. You know, this is not public yet, but I want you to know we're going to buy this company." And so then I talked to the CEO of Scriptlance, and the uh, first thing he did when he answered the phone, he goes, hey, he was like so excited. I was like, wow, I haven't heard him this excited before. He said, I'm going to be taking a trip around the world. I said, wow, that's, that's great. I'm really excited for you. I said, things must have gone well. And he said, yes, that freelancer had really taken care of him, and they'd just been easy to, to deal with. So then I knew that they were dealing in good faith. And then so we started talking, and then a few months later, the deal was done. Oops, are we still there? We're still here, sorry. Okay. No, that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes pressing mute doesn't work right away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's so amazing for me to hear your story because you know a lot of times and, and maybe you know this because you're more in the in the startup and the software space than, than I have any experience knowing. But from what I understand, a lot of people get in there, build a business, and their goal is to sell it as quickly as possible. And it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it almost sounded as if you actually loved this baby of yours and you've stayed with it as long as you could until an opportunity came along that you couldn't refuse. Can, can you kind of walk us through that? I mean, was there an intent to sell at one point? Um, has this always been the intent or was it just kind of like a curveball for you? And, and kind of take us through, like, what were you thinking? What were some of the fears and how did you end up making the decision that you did? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. It was a total curveball because I was, I, I, you were right. I, I actually had built it to last. Like that, that book talks about, I had built it thinking that I was going to run it as long as possible. Um, it was, it was doing well. A lot of startups are not profitable. So maybe they don't have that, you know, avenue, but this was very profitable. It was making money. So, you know, while it was doing that and I was loving what I was doing, like you said, every morning I would wake up, I'd be excited to be, you know, working on something that was the the coolest thing about it was the fact that it was helping people all around the world who never would have had the opportunity to work to actually do it. And I would get all these emails from people just thanking me for, you know, hey, because of you, I was able to buy a house, or I was able to buy a car, or I was able to you know get out of the financial problems I was having. Or so it was it was extremely gratifying and really something that I really really loved doing every day. Um, so yeah, when the offer first came, so I had built it with no intent to sell, and uh, when the offer first came, I was not really interested in it. And like I said, I was skeptical of it first even being a real offer. But even then, I wasn't really sure if I, I wanted to to sell. And um, for me, I think the thing that kind of flipped me was the fact that, well, you know, it actually really what it was was it's a personal situation where I was in my life. So. Uh, for so many years while creating Rent-A-Coder and VWorker, I just, uh, you know, it takes a lot of hours. 
and I didn't have time for many years. I didn't have time to date or you know do anything like that. And uh, but by the end, you know, things had stabilized. And I'd gotten things to where I wanted to, and I had like a an office manager in, so I could have a life again. And so what had happened is I actually had uh, I'd met someone. I'd I'd met uh, the woman who's now my wife, and uh, so right around that time we were expecting a baby, and I thought, hmm, you know, it's like I would like to be there for my kid when he is, you know, growing up. And to be honest, even though I'd gotten things a lot better than they were, I was still spending a lot of time on this. Um, my company basically was, you know, Viewworker and Rent-A-Coder. I we had 15 employees, and we were competing against companies like Elance, you know, with you know, well over a hundred. Odesk with well over a hundred. You know, maybe hundreds. So companies much, much larger. So it required a lot of hustle and a lot of long hours and a lot of hard working and trying to always be faster than the other guy. And uh, I, I, I was like, you know what? You know, I don't, I don't think I want this for me right now in this new phase of life. I want to be able to spend time with my my son. So that was that was really the main impetus. Wow. So so family. And did you? Think you build your business around your life, or did you build your life around your business? And and how did you come to that decision? Well, um, maybe I kind of did both. Like, I mean, obviously, I would I I would prefer to have the business not be the center point of my life, uh, but there were many times where it had to be. Um, it it was a lot like having a baby, really, because uh, there were times when the baby would be sick. And it needed, like, maybe something was really broken. There were many times when there were crises that would have definitely bankrupted the company if they hadn't been addressed. You know, there were credit card fraud problems. There were problems with um, infrastructure breaking down at critical times. You know, things like that. So, uh, so on one hand, while I, 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 over the years, I got much better at it. And, like, at the beginning, it was just, like, complete crazy. Well, at the very beginning, I was actually working another job. So, it's like I'd work job number one, and then I'd be working... You know, I'd come home after my normal job, and then I would be working on rent a code and be workers. So that was truly crazy. That was like maybe 90-hour weeks. So then, you know, I dropped down to like maybe, you know, maybe like 60-hour weeks or something like that when I started working on VWorker just full-time and had quit my other job. But it still was crazy. Then I got it to the point where, you know, I started hiring other people and learning how to delegate and things like that and learning how to create manuals so that people could create and create processes and that allowed me to, to free up more time so in a typical week I actually would not have to work you know a lot like you know I'd be working like a normal 40 hour week but there would be times where it would just take over and uh, like I had a joke like every time I'd go on vacation it seemed like the site would go down so I remember one time I was in Italy I think it was and you know horrible cell phone service wherever I was and supposedly you know trying to enjoy some sightseeing and all mail went down so the site was completely just broken without mail. You know, an internet site is useless. And I was on the phone for, in Italy for like seven or eight hours trying to work out with these vendors, trying to say they were arguing amongst each, amongst each other and trying to figure it out. But anyway, the, the point of it is basically that uh, it was kind of both. I tried to engineer it that way, but there were always demands. But that's so interesting. It, it kind of echoes a story that our very first guest and a really good friend of Phil's, um, Scott Ginsburg, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he, he wears the name tag. He's the only guy who wears a name tag 24-7. 
for like over 13 years and he made a speaking career out of that brand and all of a sudden one year in I think within the last one or two years he's like that's it I've had it I'm done being an entrepreneur and he literally went and got his first corporate job ever at 30 something years old and wow. he's he got married and he's gonna have a family huh? and he said something very similar to that he said that he had been telling people to shut up and just go do shit all this time and he said it was finally time for him to do it now that the time is right and things have changed in his life I really love that piece of advice. I wasn't expecting to get that from our very first guest where we're talking about, you know, braving through fear to get to the <laughs> other side, right? I'm True. actually thinking you're jumping from corporate and you're going to entrepreneurship, but it can go the other way around. So um, I do have one more question for you before I, I have Phil ask you the magic question. But my question for you is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of fear. I mean, there's a lot of scary moments in your life because change in general is just icky. And as exciting as it is that you've made, you know, multi-millions of dollars off of this uh, transaction, Ian, I can imagine it must be still so emotionally and kind of mentally scary because it's a huge change. So so can you kind of take us through that? I mean, how are you oh. dealing with a change like that? It, it's like you're an empty nester now and your baby's going to college, right? <laughs> it's true. That's a really good question. Most people don't realize that it is. It, 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 is, it has been very different. It, and uh, it was a it was an adjustment. People think, well, the ideal is I don't want to have to work. And uh, but I guess what I've discovered is that I like working, and it gives me a purpose, and it gives me something to get excited about, and it gives me something to gives me passion, and it, it makes my life better. So um, the first it took me a while. You know, at first I was like, I don't have anything to do. Well, actually, not at the very first, because when I sold the company, part of the contract was that. You know, part of the agreement was that I had to stay on for the next six months, work like 20 hours a month, you know, helping them out. Or tw yeah, I think it's 20 hours a month helping them out. So, and whenever they needed, whenever they had problems, I, I would help them out. So, you know, I wasn't totally off the hook. After that ended, all of a sudden, I looked around, and for the first time in years, over a decade, you know, it wasn't like have to get something done right now. Have to get, oh, you know, what, what do I need to work on right now? And uh, and, and, and yeah, it's true. It, it does feel good a little bit at first, but um, I think too much leisure time, at least for me, was not a good thing. And uh, it uh, it was boring, to be honest. It was uh, and it, it, and not having anything to wake up to and and be really excited about. Um, I mean, obviously, I had my my son, which you know, playing with him and stuff like that is awesome. But you can only do that for you know so long. It's like so. Um, it was an adjustment. So for me, the way I've dealt with it is maybe some people call me crazy, but uh, I'm kind of getting into it again. <laughs> so uh, I actually, I'm uh, probably closing on, I'm purchasing a business. So purchasing a business, probably closing on that in January. And then I'm actually doing a startup as well, which I hopefully is going to be launching you know, end of January and February. And both of these have gotten me really excited about you know, learning new things and energized, and uh, it's made a world of difference to my, you know, personal health. Wow. So you're a classic underachiever. Huh? you got nothing going on, and the next year is going to be really boring, Ian. I can yeah, see. exactly. There's, yeah, pretty much nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really cool, man, and we really appreciate the, the honesty that you've shared, and we've got one more big one for you, though, and that is right now, you've got all this stuff starting, Where's the fear now? Is there anything that you're afraid of? And is there anything 
that we can help you with? And by we, I mean me and Bernie, and I also mean our community. What can we do to help support you and help you get through that fear? Well, thank you. That's very nice to offer. Um, yeah, there's definitely fear because, well, I didn't give the details, but basically what I am starting up right now. So one of the things, I, I did some research on what are the best types of companies to run as an absentee owner. Um, things like uh, storage, parking lots, coin-operated laundry. Uh, one of them, though, is gas stations and convenience stores. As long as you have a trusted person that can uh, handle the money, because there's a lot of daily money that's going in and out. As long as you have a trusted person like that, it can be run absentee. So, But I know nothing about convenience stores. I know nothing about gas stations. I know nothing about gasoline and oil supply, uh, setting prices. There, I could write a whole book on all the things that I don't know. So, um, yeah, so it is, a, it is a little bit scary getting into this, um, you know, but um, so, so that, that's, that's definitely one thing that's, you know, a little bit high on my, my fear list right now. And I think the other thing is, so with my, with the startup, and I'm trying to think, you know, what I can, it's technically in stealth mode, so um, I'm trying to think about what I can talk about it, but um, it involves basically some cutting-edge technology that, in order to make it work, it has to run on this cutting-edge technology. It just wouldn't work without it. And this technology has been hard, been really, really hard. And, you know, I've been working on this thing for almost a year now. And so there is a real danger. It's, there has not been probably a week where I haven't gone, my God, this whole thing is not, I can't pull it together. All the time that I've spent on this thing is completely a waste, and all the money that I've spent on it is completely a waste. And... I was joking about it with my wife. It's like not a week goes by, but somehow we managed to figure out answers to all of them. So um, my biggest fear there is just you know I I really would like to get a chance to get to market, um, but it's just the technology is just so new. So yeah, the the fear never stops. <laughs> good, that's good, and that's great reminder and and kind of acknowledgement for all of our listeners and viewers that the fear does never stop and it's perfectly normal to have some fear. Just because you're successful, just because you've done it before, doesn't mean that it's going to feel any different than it did the first time. So that's really cool. So, oh, I lied, Ian. We have one more softball for you. Ready? Oh, cool. Yeah. How, how yeah. do we get more of your awesome, my friend? You've shared a lot, but now we want to give you back. So tell us, how can we connect with you? How can we learn more of the cool stuff you're doing? When the Stealth Mode project comes out of Stealth, obviously you can't give us that URL but you'll give us something that we can find more of your stuff at. Yeah, and I'll definitely pass that on to you when, when it does come out of stealth mode. So I, I think on here people can see my, my Twitter, so they can talk to me there. Uh, they can also connect with me on LinkedIn. That's a great place to talk to me and kind of keep up, and I'll definitely be making the announcement on there too as well. Awesome. Well, we're so thankful that you spent some time with us today, Ian. You are just a wealth of information and inspiration, more importantly, for all of us solopreneurs and, and folks that are looking to fight that fear. So, Bernie, what do you got? Anything anything else that I missed? That's it. That's it. I'm, I'm more blown away than I already was. Ian, it was such a pleasure to have you, man. I know we just scratched the surface, but that was, that was, that, there, there was so many amazing stories, uh, you know, about raving through fear and how even at that level of success, you're still afraid and it never stops. That's what we're trying to tell these folks here at the Shut Up Show. So I'm so glad you continue to reiterate that point. So thank you again, Ian. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. I had a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Shut Up Show. 
And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, go on to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.